Well, hey, this is Jason Dukes with the Making Disciples Everyday podcast. I'm on team here with our Brentwood Baptist family of churches, and we are excited that you tuned in with us today. My compadre partner in crime on this podcast is the good Dr. Paul Wilkinson. Occasionally good. (laughs) And today we have a very special guest, and I'm I'm going to be as icky as I can in this introduction because I'm extremely special. I'm that fond of him. (laughs) Um, But he's the almost doctor. Can I even say that? You can. Well, um, I graduate next week. So there you go. So he's the almost doctor, Chris Brooks. Is it like med school, though? Like you're kind of already a doctor before you graduate? Or is this yes, like, I'm operating as we There speak. you have it. There you have it. <laughs> yes. so, so, but Chris Brooks is with us. And if you don't know who Chris is, although uh, I would first probably just jokingly ask, where have you been? But secondly, I would probably ask, uh, do you know much about Kairos? So he is our Kairos pastor, but he also is uh, one of the lead communicators uh, partnered with Mike on Sunday morning. And here with our Brentwood campus, and so very thankful that Chris is here. Chris, tell the folks who are tuning in a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, hello. Uh, I am Chris Brooks. I have a wonderful family, four kids, and so that keeps us with life is full um, and delightful and lots of hidden joys that if you take the time, you'll discover them, but constantly aware of my own depravity and need for grace in my life. So that keeps me a constant grace addict, which is a position I enjoy being in. And then also I get to be pastor at Kairos, our Tuesday night gathering for young adults. Um, It's a place where we just want to honestly and authentically connect to God and each other. Uh, In hallway conversations, I call it a halfway house for people who are jaded or skeptical of institutional church. Um, and are looking to reconnect to God, their spirituality, and Jesus, and community in life-giving ways. And so it's a delight to be their pastor. Well, I'm, I'm grateful you are. My, my son was there with you this last uh, Tuesday night and brought four friends. Uh, uh, awesome. So, very cool. Uh, very grateful. Um, he, he mentioned what you taught on to me twice over the following two days. So Great. I think it must have... Or and I'm trying to remember who led that night worship through song. He mentioned that as well. Maybe it was maybe it was Michael Boggs. Yeah, it was. But all that to say, uh, very thankful you're there. Great, thank you. Thanks for joining with us today. I mean, this topic. I hope we feel awkward about it. And the reason I say that is because the American church stinks at this. We do absolutely. And and it's the topic of Sabbath. If you if you've been on a Sunday morning to any of our campuses. Over the last three Sundays, the series called Outflow concluded this past Sunday. And, uh, and so what is really exciting about that is hopefully it was a great conversation that started in people's heads and hearts and minds about prayer, scripture, and Sabbath, yep. and how disciple-making and being not only a disciple of Jesus, but being a disciple-maker with Jesus how essential the outflow from those is, just the relationship and the own mission with God. So we've talked about how essential the idea of prayer and what that means and its its involvement, not only in my own personal life, but in the way that engages me on mission with Jesus. We've talked about Scripture. Today we're talking about Sabbath. Why is Sabbath so crucial to the everyday disciple-maker? So maybe the first thing we ought to do is just define Sabbath. Yeah, I think that's good. 
So talk about that. How would you define Sabbath? Yeah. If, if you want to sound really cool, Shabbat Shabbaton, I believe in the Hebrew. <laughs> Double imperative, the cease ceasing, cease striving. Cease striving. Uh, rest to just stop. For me, the way that I would put it is it is an opportunity for me not to have to find my identity and my productivity, but to rest for the nourishment of my soul so that I can enjoy God and others more fully and freely. Hmm. It is about inner liberty to reconnect with God and how I was designed to live. It's It's embedded in creation. It's embedded in Scripture. And so I think it's a foundational practice for us as human beings. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Paul, what about you? Throw throw something out there as far as uh, how you might either add to that or even just other comments on how you would help maybe explain Sabbath to someone. I really love the liberty language uh, that you share with us, Chris. Uh, you think about an agrarian society where you're totally dependent upon the land. If that land doesn't produce, my family goes hungry, I go hungry, our town, our village, so to speak, goes hungry, and here's your God saying, take one day and don't even go out into your fields. Mm. The, the thing by which your, your entire existence depends, ignore it for a day. And uh, that's an incredible ask, and I don't think we feel the full weight of that yeah. as we're not at least most of whom we're talking to and ourselves are not an agrarian society. But what liberty it is that we have an omniscient, um, omnipotent God who's covering that, who's giving growth to what we need to live. And it frees us up to do exactly what you said, be authentic with Christ, be authentic with others. Well, do you think about that, how radical it would have been for the Hebrew people coming out of slavery mm. when they're working seven days a week, not, not getting paid. Sure. And they're this young, vulnerable, defenseless nation. And God is saying, the first thing I want to make sure you do is take a day off. It would have been a radical reprimand to the culture of the day and a profound act of faith to say, we don't trust in horses and chariots, but we trust in the Lord our God. He is our provider. And so for me, Sabbath keeping kills off the Christian atheist in me um, because... (laughs) I, I believe in God, then I'm going to act and work as if he doesn't exist, and it's up to me. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're good at. We're great. Right? It's I mean, ingrained. And, and I think what's sad is we could look back over the cycles of history and find every cycle has had prophets calling us to this. Right? And and so it, it like so let's talk about even the latter part of the 20th century. You had two. You had C.S. Lewis who in screw tape letters couldn't have been more prophetic about the busyness that we would find ourselves in and that would be Satan's weapon against us. Side note, the Chinese have a pictograph for busyness and it's two pictographs that means heart and killing. Mm. Wow. Keep going. Wow, and that and it's funny you say that because yeah. that's a lot of what yeah. screw tape was even getting at yep. and the things he would write in that correspondence in the book in the, in the Lewis book. But then, and now I'm drawing a blank on the guy who did Brave New World. Um, Huxley is I'm trying to think of the author's name. Somewhat, Aldous Huxley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think that's who it was. But anyway, Brave New World, like, you know, 1984, everybody got up in arms about because they thought, you know, hey, for, for 1980, you know, we're going to make everything so relative that truth's going to go out the side. But what Brave New World did was it, 
kind of twisted that and said, no, 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 no. We're going to oversaturate truth. <laughs> right? We're, we're, it's not going to just all go, all of a sudden there is no truth anymore. Yeah. We're going to make it to where we think truth, right? It, it's, it's still there. Yeah. But now it's so oversaturated with everything else, we can't even recognize That's it. That's right. Right? And so the idea, so two prophet, we can name more. Yeah. But even those two people crying out whether and i don't know if the brave new world author is a christ follower or not i couldn't speak to that obviously lewis professes to be but professed to be but but all that to say it's it's amazing to me how prophetic those two voices were for just where we are in 2019 and 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 i mean why why do we not listen right like why these warnings over and over again in every cycle of history well and to your point uh oversaturating truth or oversaturating information, for us as everyday disciple makers, there should be something qualitatively different about our life that speaks to the incarnational gospel. Yeah. And so the way that um, Jesus demonstrated the kingdom with signs and wonders, the way I like to say it is your life lived should be its own sign and wonder Hmm. to the validity that the peace and the confidence that Christ is offering you, regardless of your circumstances. It's good. And Sabbath-keeping, to me, is a radical sign and wonder for you to rest, relax, enjoy God and each other. And I I would dare to say someone will look at you and go, why are you different? Yeah. It's good. It's good. But I just thought of a question I want to ask you at the end, but I'll go ahead and okay. say it so you'll be prepared. All right, I'll write it down. I want to wrap by you just simply saying, who do you listen to that talks about this? Okay, yeah, for sure. Because I think that would help our folks Absolutely. go away from this. you good. So think about that. We'll get to back to that in just a minute. So we know these warnings have been there. The prophets of the Old Testament warned against it too. God didn't just say you take a sabbath he said right. give the land a sabbath like i mean we could yeah there, there's and they never did ten like, commandments yeah <laughs> it's right there right like <laughs> so important it's, it, it's all there we see that we understand that um why is it so hard why is it so hard to do uh, i imagine the same reason it was hard for the ancient people to do uh you get caught up in my identity is based off my productivity. Therefore, I don't know who I am if I'm not busy. Hmm. Busyness is an incredible way for me to mask and drown out the deeper questions that are arising up out of my soul. When I sit still for long enough, stuff that I've packed down starts to come up. The questions that really matter in life the most start to arise. And if I don't have a faith, a confidence, or a community to help me bear those questions, I bury them. Mm. Busyness, entertainment, frenetic activity. My kids become my idols. Their sports schedules run me into the ground. I fall into bed exhausted, never considering, do I need to take any ownership of on the design of my life according to God's principles? Mm. That's good. It's going to sound silly at first, but let me throw this idea out, and I just want to see how you'd respond to it. God, we we hear these commands like keep Sabbath holy, right? We we hear those commands. We can discount them and say that's just mystical religious stuff, spiritualism, yeah. you know. I, or or like you said a while ago, we could be more of a Christian atheist and yeah. and and claim that we believe these things, but really not show that the presence of God and the goodness of God and the holiness of God and 
and and us being still with God matters enough to take that time. It, but it's really not. It, am I am I wrong to say this really isn't just some theological, religious, mystical, spiritual command? It's just practical. Oh, yeah, it's both. I, I would say it's absolutely both. And um, in doing some research, the business world has picked up on this. They realize they're grinding and burning people out. There's one quote that said, "The only excuse to take off work in the modern age is cancer." Mm. And so you realize you're just, and you're probably getting, all due respect, a lot of us are getting cancer because we're not Sabbathing, not taking care of our bodies. Stress Mm -hmm. is the number one cause of death of despair, opioid overdictions, suicide, and obesity. Mm -hmm. So we, we are moving so fast, so furious, and it's literally killing us. Sure. So just take a, from a purely logical standpoint, it, there's truth to it. All, measure of living beings thrive with a measure of rest hmm. it's a biological imperative yes and so for us to think we supersede that with medicine and technology is one of the great myths we perpetuated upon ourselves so it's safe to say it's safe to say then it isn't just that sabbath is crucial for making disciples every day which, by the way, is our purpose on mission with Jesus. Right. And making disciples it's just crucial, is. period. Right. Yeah. Learners of Jesus who we believed lived a life to the fullest as a human being Correct. on earth. Correct. So, therefore, I want to imitate him. Absolutely. I want a full, free life. That doesn't mean there's not sacrifice and suffering, but it does mean I can face it with the assurance of God's presence. Yeah, there's security. Yes. Right. There may not be safety, but there's security. Well, and if you're practicing. On a somewhat weekly basis of stepping back and going, I ultimately am not in control of my life. There are things that I can only control my response to. Yeah. When crisis hits, you've had a little bit of practice. <laughs> sure, that's right. <laughs> so when you share in his sufferings, yeah. right, you've had the chance to see right. the depth of that security. Yeah, and talk to anyone who's gotten a diagnosis or had a moral failure or who has neglected their family and taken a step back and going, I need to redesign my life. Yeah. Uh, I was running too hot, too hard, ignored all the stuff that was going on around me, and now I want to take a step back and make more space for blank. So, so let's let's get let's be incredibly practical for a minute. I I coach basketball. I, I, it's interesting to me that even the best players, yep, savvy, yep. high IQ, Don't athletic, need the they're incredible. The moment they start to tire. Ah, that's good. Yeah. Your form goes, your fundamentals go. Everything. That's good. About how they execute the game changes. Great analogy. So even just clumsiness, even just I didn't quite make that pass as crisp. I didn't, right? So we're not even talking about moral failure yet or burnout yet or suicide. We're going to try and get in front of this. So if to to get upstream on it, right? Like how do... How in your own life or even ways you're still learning? We, yeah. None of us are, by the way, are saying we're experts on not this. Not at all. We're talking about the topic of Sabbath, yeah. not pretending to be experts of it. We want to be better at yeah, it. Yeah, right? absolutely. But even in the ways you've learned about it, how, how do you help someone notice yeah. when they're starting to move in the direction of you're neglecting Sabbath? Absolutely. I'll turn it back on both of you guys. <laughs> what in your life is the key that you need rest other than physical fatigue? How do you know my spirit is not keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? What do you notice? Hmm. 
I'll go first while you're thinking. All right. Um, my wife gets on my everlasting nerves. Everything that she says, it's I, I'm like, this is why you're wrong. This is why you're not serving me enough. My kids become a burden, not a joy. Mm-hmm. Um, pastoral concerns. I, I will literally say to myself, why can't everyone just leave me alone? Hmm. And I got into ministry to be God's presence for other people. <laughs> sure, sure. And now I'm complaining about the very thing I prayed for God has called me to. Yep. I talked to Boggs about this. I'm like, Boggs, when do you know you, you've neglected Sabbath? He says, road rage. Hmm. He says, it's the, he knows it. Like when it comes out, on, when he has a disproportionate response Two minor infractions. My, yeah, that's a good way to put it. He know he knows he's needs the Sabbath. When rest. minors become major, yes, it's good. So I, you, I, I think that's fun. That's a fun diagnostic tool. Go. What tool. minor becomes major in my life as mm-hmm. an indicator on the dashboard engine of my spirit? That's a great question. Great question. So you can ask that in your groups, <laughs> people that you're you definitely should ask it in your families, and yeah. certainly. Shockingly, in your Sabbath. <laughs> uh, mine's very similar to yours, Chris. Is for me, it manifests in impatience. Yeah. Um, things that ought not bother me bother me, get really short with people. Those I love the most, namely my family and the group leaders here yeah. at the Brentwood campus, uh, is very short and impatient with them. And like you say, we're called to be the presence of God. It's what we strive for. And we know God is long suffering. God is yeah. patient with his people. God yeah. doesn't abandon. Yeah. God is slow to anger. Yeah. And yet, yeah. I start doing the opposite with those I love the most, and that's a, definitely a trigger for me. Good, like, well, get out of there. You hit it on the head. That's what I was gonna. That's how I was gonna say. For me, I when I notice it, which I want to notice it more. Yeah. Right. But when I notice it, I I I notice it by the annoyance I have with the people that are the greatest gifts in my life. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, it's the little things that Absolutely. your wife does or your kids. Yeah. You know, it's the it's the and they're saying the same things. They just don't have a podcast to say it on. Just <laughs> so we're clear. That's okay? right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> right. That's right. We're not knocking them. Yeah. That's right. That's right. They would say when we're annoying. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. No, that's good. I mean, you're right. I think that's a great uh, you know litmus test to be able to say are are things that really either a don't matter as much as you're making them matter. Yeah. Like, is that going on? Or the people that matter the most, are you beginning to treat them like they don't, right? That may be... Yeah. I, there's two things I give you. One is, this is just my illustration. And uh, it's if I'm riding to church and I see the guys working on the side of the road and I start fantasizing about how great their life is... <laughs> I just appreciate that you were that vulnerable. Yeah, That's just great. like, man, if I could just turn a stop sign for a day, I'd be so much better. Or I think it was Dan Allender that says, if I keep eating an emotional cookie, there is a mm. place in my mind where I go to and go, my life would be awesome if. If mm. I had this house. Yeah. Or I could take this vacation. Mm. Or I get this Jeep. Um <laughs> You may want to add this one out too. It also calls looking at real estate porn. <laughs> like you start going and going, oh, if I just live by the water, yes, then yes. Oh, my family would be perfect. So I think guarding that and knowing there's nothing wrong with hopes and dreams and aspirations, but when it becomes a form of escapism, mm. then I know I'm not dealing with certain stresses in my life. Well, and you just hit it on the head. I think I don't remember who I heard this from. It's not original to me, and I apologize that I don't remember who I heard it from, but. But I do remember one time a mentor challenging me, and he quoted a leader. I can't remember the leader he quoted. I I remember a mentor challenging me with the idea of what is it 
that when you actually do need to stop and be with God, that you instead turn to. It's great. Right? What is yeah. that? Because that's yeah. what you are trying to replace Sabbath with. Right? So, like, instead of stopping to really catch your breath with the one who gives you breath, right? Yes. Like, instead of that, you're yeah. now defaulting into something else. What, Whatever that default is, is the idol you've lifted up yeah. that's replacing the Sabbath or the presence of God. This is too nuanced. I apologize. But this is crucial, I think, because here's where we need the community of God speaking into us. Jason's gifts um, for the kingdom of God that he's uniquely designed to give, when he's not resting, those don't disappear he pushes into them too much into his flesh. Hmm. So usually my greatest strength goes through the roof where I'm into striving rather than abiding. Wow. And I'm working in the flesh and not in the spirit. That's good. So we think it's going to be the polar opposite of who we are. Actually, where it's just more of who we are, but overextending and manipulating. Hmm. An extrovert becomes more extroverted. Yeah. An introvert becomes more introverted and reclusive. That's good. So it's the very way that God's designed you, but it's off balance, tweaking and redlining. That's great. And and it's funny because both of those are isolation. One Absolutely. just happens to be Absolutely. with a crowd. I isolating from the things I should be facing or away from everyone else because I'm not willing to go there. And we got to watch the pendulum swing. Yeah. We were designed to move between rest and work. And when we push it too far up, it goes from work into striving. And then it ricochets down back into isolation, which yeah. is where addiction breeds. Yeah. And then you try to whip it back up again, never, ever fooling finding a rhythm of rest in your life. For cross-reference purposes, we talked to Brandon Owen a few weeks ago and talked about the recklessness of how he shared faith, and we mm. can be reckless with our gifts absolutely uh, when we haven't rested appropriately. Good. That's good. So I want to ask you the big paradoxical question after... We uh, just said paradoxical. 20 <laughs> minutes of talking about <laughs> resting. What do I actually do to Sabbath? What do I do on the Sabbath? Yeah, it's great. It's good. Good question. Um, I'll share a personal journey. Um, I'll outline this with a couple of things. First, every new rhythm feels like death at first. Mm. Uh, it will be discipline before it's delight. So just embrace that. And give yourself permission to fail gloriously. Mm. So you've probably spent a lifetime not even considering this as a biblical principle that will bring you life. Yeah. And Jesus tells us the only way to gain your life is to lose it. So it'll feel like death first. Yeah. You're, you'll feel like an idiot. First came across this uh, principle, reading Marva Don, um, Sabbath keeping in seminary. I'm working a full-time job. I'm at school full-time. I'm a learning disabled attention deficit seminary student who's trying to prove to God he's actually worth the investment. I have approval issues. And so I'm waking up at four o'clock doing Hebrew homework that I don't understand, all to show the Lord I, I will do what no one else has done for you. I'm neglecting my soul in the midst of trying to care for other people's soul. Uh, marriage is okay, but it's not nourishing. And I just realize I, I read biblical evidence for Sabbath keeping and why it's still um, a profound practice under the new covenant. Hmm. Hebrew day is oriented around rest and work and creation. The first day that human beings are alive is a day of rest. Hmm. So we are designed to work from our rest not rest from our work. Mm. It is not a reward we get for finishing our task. It's an act of faith we do to say, I trust in you, Lord. So I get convinced of that, and I'm like, we're going to experiment with it. <laughs> so on Sundays, I throw everything. You're talking about a kid who, if I'm not studying, I'm in trouble. Mm. If I'm not working, we're not eating. Yeah. And 
I'm radical enough just to give it a shot for a short time. So I said, that's it, and I overcorrect a lot. <laughs> no electronics, no devices. I- I'm looking for Amish clothes online, <laughs> not on Sabbath, but just we're not going out to eat. We're doing Crock-Pot. We're doing this. And we eventually, we had a group of 20-somethings that were all living in community together, and we decided to host Sabbath. Hmm. And we just said, hey, after church, we're just going to gather and eat. There's not going to be any TV on or anything like that. But I'm in no rush to get to something else. I have nothing to do that day hmm. but enjoy God and get into conversation. And hmm. I'm an introvert, so that that's, that's work for me at times. But the amount of refreshment when you realize I have 24 hours blocked off where I'm not allowed to do things that I am productive or paid for, so to speak. Hmm. Um, and it it will mess with you. You'll start to get the jitters and the shakes, and you're like, oh, well, I could just do this real quick. God wouldn't mind if I spent five minutes doing this. <laughs> so I had, I had to detox from that nonstop busyness, and I drive myself internally with guilt and shame because it is an incredible motivator. Um, but sitting in the unconditional approval of my father as I sit in a chair and go, I am loved for who I am, not what I do. Mm. Then that transforms the other six days of the week. It's good. So it takes a while. We had to tweak some things. My wife had to come to me after four weeks and go, hosting every Sunday is not rest for me. I said, perfect. Great. <laughs> yeah, you, you had to correct. Yeah. The then we, sta- then right. we started potlucking and just... It was amazing how many people simply just wanted to be in a home and connect with people. Yeah. It was a sign and it was a wonder. Well, and, and one thing, so this is the, this is the, the passion, passionate element coming out. I admit that I'm uber passionate about seeing disciples making disciples because I think that's life giving. Yeah. I think it's abundant life. Yeah. And it's what Jesus invited those 12 dudes to do. You just hit it on the head, and I hope our listeners catch that. Sabbath, like serving, for example, if it's not framed inside of disciples making disciples, right, it almost does become nothing more than that's just the thing I checked off. In my, Legalistic. It's, yep. it's, but the fact that so much of the New Testament's written to you, plural, the fact that the Hebrew people were a people, that this was a command to the people, it wasn't just a command to a person, Yes, right? I think we forget sometimes that we not only need Sabbath, we need to be inviting along other people into it with us. Right. Well, I've got four young kids, mm-hmm. which is a, uh, is a challenge. And so we got a big post-it note, 3M post-it note. And we made four quadrants and we said, hey, top five things that bring you the most amount of joy that make you want to praise God Mm. for creating you. And so we put them all up, jump on the trampoline, wrestle with dad, go to a movie, make pancakes, all that stuff. And my wife and I put ours up there and our job was to make Sabbath the single most significant day of the week for our children. Wow. And to make sure at least one of those things got done on the list for wow. for everyone. With a, in a community, everyone's not going to do their thing. That's exactly right. But prior to that, I had a counselor look at me and say, Chris, what do you do for fun in your life? And I started to cry. Hmm. I said, I don't have time for fun. Yeah. I got to do this, 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 yeah, this. Yeah, do these other things. She's like, why don't you go home and write 10 things down that bring you joy? And you just realize what a wretched shell of a human being I've become. <laughs> And the, the core of it is, I thought I didn't deserve it. Well, and I, I would suggest <laughs> that a lot of people listening to this are going to hear what you just said, hopefully feel some freedom from it, if they're willing to move past the shame 
to confess and say, I'm, I'm, I'm there too. Yeah. Right. And I can be, I'll be one of those. Right. And I think, I think it's amazing if, if we hear what you just said and we can understand the freedom that comes when we say, wait, so God doesn't just want me to work for him. He wants me to work with him. Like God doesn't just want me to do great stuff for him. He wants me to just bask in his goodness or he delights in my delight, right? Like these are all scriptures. It's not like we're pulling this out of our hat, right? Yeah. Like, but, but I hope that those tuning in are hearing that are hearing and not feeling the shame and weight of, I don't keep the Sabbath. I, you know, now I stand. No, no, no. That's no. not what we're saying. Yeah. We're, we're trying to actually call you into yeah take a moment to confess if you want to do that yeah but god's waiting for you there yeah that's good he, he's not l- looking at you with hands on hips going why, why haven't you done this well and you know this as a parent like part of my responsibility is to grow up responsible young humanoids to some <laughs> degree or another i want them to be contributing members to our household and learn mm. how to take responsibility but also if one of my kids just crawls up in my lap and just wants to be next to me to be next to me and doesn't need anything or doesn't have to do anything, yeah. the joy that brings me as a father. Can you imagine the joy you bring your heavenly father yeah. if you just go, hey, you know what, for the next hour, I'm just going to sit here in your lap, wow. and I'm going to try some things to connect to you in a way I haven't done in a long time. And I'm not doing anything to prove value. I just need to receive your love hmm. so that I can actually offer it to other people the other six days of this week. That's huge. For all you D personalities, it's, out good. it's there. death. It's death. I know it's totally death. For well, all. turn it into an exercise of achievement. Well, that's what I was about to say. That's what I was about to say. Exactly what I was about to say. I was going to say, for all you D personalities out there, we challenge you yeah. to put a post-it note up on the wall let me, and do the exercise yeah, that yeah, you just described. Do it. Like, yes. finish finish describing that exercise so that the D personalities will know what they have to go do. And in full disclosure, okay, my default. I rest through disengagement. Hmm. And so solitude and silence, that's my jam. Now, I understand for extroverted people, that's not it. Willard said this, um, if you're good at a spiritual discipline, stop doing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's not a discipline. You need to try to do the ones that are difficult. Hmm. And that doesn't mean we stop prayer reading or scripture. But for instance, I had a Sabbath recently and I couldn't wait to get away from everyone and just hold up with my journal and brood and be alone and be so excited. And the Holy Spirit said, you're going to drive two hours down to have a gospel conversation with a friend you haven't seen and you're going to help him work Mm. on his farm. Mm. And that's that's a Sabbath through engagement. So it doesn't mean that you don't do things. It doesn't mean you don't have soul care things that take care of you, but you let the Holy Spirit dance with you and practice and do different rhythms. I think it was at a good place and just since this is, I'm going to try this. And so my Sabbath is all about experimenting and going, oh, did this work? Oh, this didn't work. Or, oh, I got caught up in this. So have fun. Be free to yep. discover what yep. it is that brings you life. Well, and, and you hit it on the head a while ago. The Father is smiling bigger than you are. I mean, seriously, if yeah. you even say, you know what, I'm going to try it. Yeah. He's already smiling bigger than you're going to be smiling at that. And I, I've spent the last 18 years working through this, and I would probably wager to say most of you who are listening to this podcast fundamentally get your identity out of what you do for God. You don't start with what he's done from you Hmm. and receive it. And we've just been programmed and we've been guilty as pastors in the church. You only have value when you are working. 
Yep. But you, there is a value piece in resting. Well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to just bring it back to this, but even with gospel conversations, right? Right now, that's a huge emphasis with our church family. And some people can hear that and go, you just want me to have a gospel conversation and you want it to be this many and we want... Right. And and really, though, what we're saying, and I think what we're all realizing and hoping more than anything else, is we want you to learn how to translate the gospel to you. Yes. And I don't want you to die in the process. Yeah, we're very aware of the fact that you're not going to translate it well to anyone else. Right. Until you translate it to you. This is part of that. Right? Sabbath is a huge, huge part of translating that identity in Christ, that gospel message to me. Sabbath is a huge part of that. And for me, Sabbath is the day to let the snow globe settle. Hmm. It's a good image. It's good. I, I don't know how many of you guys have ever been on vacation. I hear this a lot from some high output people that I know. It wasn't until day three I was fully present. Yeah. The, yep. That's because you're probably not Sabbathing. <laughs> yeah. It, it just takes a while. You stop pedaling, the wheel's still going. Ee. Yeah, we don't know how to disengage. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. Well, we're going to wrap up here in just a second. Any any thoughts, other thoughts or comments? I do, th- I do want for our deep personalities, what go in the other three slots on the post-it note? When you said on the, or maybe, and you may or may not remember, and that's okay if you yeah. don't, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. What you said, the one, the, one of the quadrants when you did the quadrants with yeah. your family was joy. What's the thing that brings you the oh, most I, joy? Oh, I did that for each kid. That's why got there it, was different co- quadrants. Got and it, I got think got you got can it. ask different questions. What brings me joy? What connects me in a way that I feel the favor of my father? Hmm. So for pastors, a lot of times, I know you know how to work for the king, but do you know how to be alone with the Father? Because mm, that's where your power and authority is going to come from. Come on now. Um, so just start asking those questions. And again, you allow your your circle of friends to serve you as well as serve them. So jumping on the trampoline ain't, ain't fun for me. And it's, it's fun for my chiropractor. But it's those are that's the engagement of community. That, not, that's Sabbath together. Yeah. And for yeah. those of us with families, I had to have a disciple, guy who was discipling me one time, tell me this. Family is never easy or convenient. Mm-hmm. So get over it. Like It's not sa- going to change. Yeah, Sabbath and community, you're going to have to fight for it. Yeah, in fact, I would argue, and I'm, and I'm not, again, I am saying this as someone addicted to work and addicted to, like I'm saying this, yeah. addi- same similar addictions that you yeah. were describing earlier, right? I'm, I'm saying this, I, I want my kids to go to college understanding confession, Sabbath, and disciple-making. If they stink at everything else, even if they just get a slight glimpse Sorry. of those three things, yeah. I feel confident that a with-Jesus life is in their future. Absolutely. And and so, like, the biggest gift you could give if you're a family, if you're a, if you've got a family, we have seven kids, right? You have four. I get it. I mean, I, I, I and, you know, one of our other guys on staff who has five now was we were talking about this recently and you know it's just never easy right so what do you do though like you said what do you do eugene peterson would always say sabbath was about praying and playing it's great and you can do both at the same time by the way you can it's exactly right and that's what he obviously it helps when you live right outside of glacier national park so that that doesn't hurt but for him Right. And he did. That's where he used to live, but obviously before he passed. But all that to say, 
I just hope if you're listening, you're not sensing, I could never do that. You're not sensing, okay, this overwhelming sense of shame. You're not sensing um, the guilt. You're not saying, I hope that you're being challenged, being encouraged, being compelled. It should be a celebration. That's right. Can you save certain foods for Sabbath to Mm. make it more special so you can taste and see that the Lord is good? That's right. Is there something that you love to do? Is it? Working in a garden. Some people, when they put their hands in soil, man, they feel close to God. Yeah. Like, s- figure out your spiritual pathway. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're not... Ac- I-, I do think there needs to be a measure of solitude and rest. Uh, and if you want to be count- coached on that, I'm more than happy to do it for you. <laughs> but there's sometimes getting on the lawnmower and listening to an audible book is the most delightful expression of Sabbath. Like, it for me, that's rest. Yeah. I get to see a little bit. Oh gosh, the lawn looks okay. Yep. So, and well, you may I, challenge me on that, but no, I, I, I don't challenge you. Okay. On that. I mean, I think our own our Savior, yeah. right, got challenged for doing stuff on the Sabbath that yeah. the or, that the Orthodox uh, laws were saying you can't do. Do you know the joke with the rabbis was that one spent uh, two and a half years studying the Sabbath to see what he could not pick up and pick up, and it still didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> So that's not what we're after here. That's not what we're looking for, right? And I think you just hit it on the head. Even find the things that you think give you the most joy and give the Father the most joy. Yes. To do that, though, you may have to do some rethinking of what God thinks of you, right? And and so if, if what you think God thinks of you is all he has or expectations... Right. I think I think and everybody, some people did not like what William Paul Young wrote. But the one thing I appreciated about one of his books was he challenged his readers to replace expectation with the word expectancy. Mm. And and I think that's what we're talking about. Recognize that the father is saying, I want this with you. I really do. I, I don't want you to do this for me. I want this with you. Any closing thoughts, and and part of your closing thoughts, if you will, and Paul, you jump in too with anything else you want to jab in there. But any closing thoughts from you, just to encourage our folks on a on a on a first step to take, but also if they want to read more about this or yeah. they want to think more about it, who are you hearing? Who do you listen to when they talk about Sabbath? I I want to say just start out with an hour, but I don't think it's sufficient. I think, can you ask God if this is obedience for you as his child and try in the next 14 days to find a 24-hour period that you go, we're going to practice Sabbath keeping and we're going to give it a shot and we're going to take notes and figure out what works and what doesn't work. It's more work on the front end. You'll be surprised what you have to do to prepare to actually have a day that's set apart to enjoy God and enjoy others, but then it's worth it. And I would say, don't give up on it. Hmm. Um, It it is possibly one of the most crucial Christian practices and the most neglected to our own detriment. Yeah. So good. I, uh, here's uh, here I think is the most user friendly book that I've picked up recently. It's Mark Buchanan. I think it's called The Rest of God. Hmm. Yeah. So he's such a good writer. I would do him. If you're really heady, like Paul is, Marva Dawn, Keep of the Sabbath Holy. She's just a wicked smart. And holy is W-H-O-L-L-Y. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's got some, there's some good stories in between 
like this thick cheesecake of theological <laughs> writing. Um, and then uh, Ortberg, John Ortberg did one. Um, what was the title of the book? Soul Keeping, yeah. Soul Whatever. Yeah, that's right. It's so popular right now. Um, but he was Dallas Willard's uh, disciple. He calls himself Dallas Willard for dummies. And he, there's nobody more super practical that's good. than him. I think that would be a great read. Anybody you throw out there? Other than that? No, nah, those three sound good to me. I can't go wrong with that. And then Dallas Willard himself. Yes. Yeah, he's got some great stuff too. I'm, I'm halfway through one, so I don't know if I recommend it yet right now, but I will mention it because so far it's been challenging. And that's. Yeah, I would only read like a chapter a day if I was you. Like it's a, you're like, ah. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. You have to process. Yeah. But so brilliant. D- David Murray has one right now called Reset. Great. And, uh, and then there's a, I think, I want to say his wife helped him write one called Refresh. Uh, and both of them kind of come from the two different perspectives. Dude, if you're not offended by secular books, and um, Greg McCowan, M-C-K-E-O-W-N, has a book out called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. Mm, it's good. Which is unbelievable and is really accessible and is just picking up on a biblical principle of Sabbath-keeping. Well, and here, here's how I'll close today. I know we're. I know we've uh, gone over time because we've had so much fun talking about this. But um, hopefully, your commute was this long. That's right. That's right. Maybe you had a traffic jam. Maybe you're day. pulling up at home oh, right that's now. Right. That's right. That's right. Maybe you had a traffic jam, and uh, or maybe yeah. But take yeah. a Sabbath in the middle and start it up again. There it, it is. The statistics show that I think it's like sixty something percent of podcast listeners listen in their home. Is that and right? Only, and only thirty one, I think it is, listen on their drive. Shocker. So anyway, right? Interesting fact, but or inter- interesting data, I should say. But all that to say, um, the thing I'll close with is this: Romans one and two are kind of like the slap across the head portions of Scripture, <laughs> among others, um, where Paul basically says, "Hey, yeah, look at all these people over here. You're better than you're better than them. I can't believe them. They're all gonna, be, you know, they're." Can you believe what all they do? But he says that to get them to chapter two, where he says, and wake up because you realize how judgmental you're being of them. And you're not at all modeling that God's kindness leads to repentance. You've even forgot that for yourself. So can I say this? Can I say, first of all, you're saying it, don't have to ask. Yeah. First of all, don't, don't, don't be so be, let me put it positively. Be kind to yourself. Yep. Absolutely. Right. You don't make yourself out to be the one that you're pointing the finger at in this. That's not going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But but secondly, in Romans two, he goes on to say he's speaking to a Jewish group that had isolated themselves to stay holy and establish their own righteousness in Romans. And 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 so we don't need to be that. Right. And so he tells that group, the Gentiles get the law of love better than you can i just say if you're listening if anything is going to wake us up it at least ought to be that there are more people talking about sabbath outside the church right now mercy than in the church and our culture is getting to the point where they're screaming for it and you can listen you could go search for it you'll find it and you're not going to find a bunch of podcasts and videos 
from the church on it. You're going to find a bunch of people who are in other professions that are more anthropological, sociological, psychological, that are saying, we're about to break, and here's why. And that ought to be a wake-up call. It should. We, we need it, and we need it. You won't find it in other churches, but you'll find it at Kairos. If you want to go to the <laughs> website, we did a four-week series on this because I'm passionate about it. Resting, and working. Curve. That's right. <laughs> KairosNashville.com. That's yeah. right. KairosNashville.com. And what was the name of the series? Do you remember? I hope. I think it was Sabbath keeping. It may be underneath rest and work, um, pruning and producing. Okay. You'll, you'll see it. Very good. And. Yeah. And there are some other things out there, but we've mentioned some great ones. And we do this at the end of every episode. You can, if you have any rebukes or slanders or uh, just feedback or comments, you could email uh, jdukes at brentwoodbaptist.com or pwilkinson at brentwoodbaptist.com. All affirmations you can send to me. That's right. That's right. To Chris Brooks. That's right. And so uh, we want to say, though, this topic is so important. I hope. It provokes a question in you. And whether you ask us the question or not, do seek out, whether it's a group that you're walking with, whether it's a leader that you respect, whether it's just even a husband and a wife or two close friends sitting down together and saying, how do we do this? Right? I, that's my prayer. My prayer is that you'll take a first step and you'll give it a few times and be kind to yourself. And like you said, have fun with it. Have fun. Experiment with yeah, it. Figure yeah, yeah, out yeah. ways that are the best ways to do it. And and you're going to realize how life-giving it is. Yeah. And why don't I, that's my prayer is we will all yep. keep remembering how life-giving it is because we all are desperate for it. Chris, thanks for being with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Paul, thank you, brother. And, and uh, we look forward to connecting with you next episode. The next two episodes, we're going to focus on everyday disciple-making with kind of a, a global ideology and mindset. And then everyday disciple making with a local ideology and mindset. Then we'll talk about future church, and then we're going to focus on some mental health things in July, uh, some topics on mental health in July. So uh, thankful that you're a listener and uh, share it with some other folks if you think what we've said today would be encouraging to them. And we look forward to talking with you again next week.